Welcome to the Smut and Spice podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female main characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances. We're your hosts, Sam and Sarah. In today's episode, we will be discussing some of our favorite romantic comedies. Uh, there's a trigger warning for some light discussion of murder and true crime. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. All right. We, Sarah and I, are such a love, like, we have such a love of romantic comedies and contemporary romance novels. We want a book that will make us laugh and then also pull on our heartstrings, and in my case, sometimes also make me cry. So we wanted to just dedicate an episode today to some of our favorite romantic comedies and the queen of our favorite rom-com starting off strong with some novels by Tessa Bailey. My God, do I love Tessa Bailey. I love Tessa Bailey too. If you're not following Tessa Bailey on TikTok, you need to go do that. The fact that she's writing a reverse harem right now is making my heart pitter patter. She's just so fucking funny. This first book we're going to talk about, It Happened One Summer, is actually being made into a movie. Tessa just announced this week that the it was optioned and they already have a script written that she is going over. She is able to give editing notes on it. And I'm assuming if the script is already written, they're going to start casting soon. So this is very exciting. I'm so excited to see what that movie is going to look like. What is the one scene that you would be extremely disappointed if it's not in the movie? That either the scene when Piper and Hannah first get into town and they walk into the bar and it's like the whole bar stops talking and looks at them. Because I could picture that moment so clearly in my mind of everyone just like stopping conversation and turning to look at these two out-of-towners who just walked into this bar filled with old fishermen and like people who are so used to just seeing the same people every day and everyone falling silent and then Piper feeling like she has to fill the silence and talk to people and like Brendan's initial reaction either that or um when Piper almost burns the apartment down and goes running yeah. into the street with the pan that's still on fire and is just like screaming at the top of her lungs and Brendan goes to help her I want either of those scenes so badly I would be really upset at the hospital scene. <gasps> That's such a good one too. Because I feel like that is like the pivotal point when they both kind of realize that there's no more fighting this. Um, and uh, like, I really hope they still make the butt stuff jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also the scene when um, Brendan follows her on Instagram <laughs> and, Yes. She's the only one that he follows on Instagram. God, or like, God, there's just like so many ridiculously cute scenes, like where Brendan doesn't know how to ask her out, but he wants to spend time with her. So he like helps her with all of these projects at the bar and is like building this thing outside so people can be outside the bar. And that's another really good scene when they finally kiss after they've been, like, doing manual labor all day. Oh, Ugh. I love them so much. So, oh, quick overview of our story. Um, Brendan and Piper is, like, the perfect grumpy sunshine. Piper is originally from L.A. She got shipped off by her stepfather because she, she got in trouble one too many times. 
And he's like, you got to go figure your shit out. So he ships her off up to a fishing town in Washington. And that's where her father grew up. So she has this bar that was left to her in his will. And her and her sister decide that they're going to fix up that bar and just try and like figure things out that way. And Brendan meets Piper. Brendan is a widower fisherman who is like this captain of this fishing boat. He's very set in his ways. Um, He's just kind of living his life as it comes at him. And he Piper's like thrown into his life and she shakes up everything. And at first he despises her like he's just like oh these out-of-towners they always think they're better than everyone else look at this girl and then eventually she just gets under his skin and he is just obsessed with her and he is definitely a dick at first but like brendan is also he can be really gruff but his he is the type of person where his actions speak so much louder than words like he cares so much about every single person in the town he cares about everyone on his boat and he finds himself caring about piper the cutest thing he goes up to their building i can't remember why he goes up there but piper hits her head on the bunk bed and he hires someone to go put foam on the top of the bunk bed so she never hits her head again. Aww. And he changes her locks. He Like, he is just very much the type of person who cares so much about other people but doesn't really have anyone who goes out of their way to make him feel special. Mm-hmm. Um, and Piper very much feels that. Like, he has a lot of feelings about his... Uh, deceased wife and how it wasn't the best relationship it wasn't the worst relationship either um i feel like it was just very a neutral relationship he feels like he owes it to her to be a specific type of person and piper is just like the one person who brings a smile to his face and it's just like so like cavity inducing cute so piper is based on alexis from schitt's creek and it is just the perfect way of picturing her. And mm-hmm. Piper is, she's such a good heart. She's a genuinely good person. And she's not perfect by like any stretch. Like she's not that female main character who's perfect in all ways, can do no wrong. Like she makes mistakes, she fucks up. But all she's doing at all times is trying to do right by others. So there are people who automatically assume that she's like shallow and ditzy. At her core, she's a very good person who just accepts herself the way she is. Like, she's... Does she love shopping? Yes. Does she love pretty and nice clothes? Yes. Does that make her a shallow person who only cares about those things and nothing else? Absolutely not. So, I love that as a character. Like, she... She's one of those characters who's like, I am like other girls. And I love being like other girls. And that is just one of my favorite things. I just thought of another scene that better be in this damn movie is when she gets drunk and does all of the girls makeup Uh at the bar and helps them, helps them feel great about themselves. The way she helps her grandmother leave the house, like Piper is just genuinely a good person. And I feel like at first you feel like, oh, she kind of just steps over Hannah, but that's really not the case. Um, she's amazing to her sister and she loves her sister more than anybody. And I love their relationship with one another. And Hannah also genuinely loves her the way that she is. Like 
Hannah is there mm-hmm. to support her. They have such a great relationship, and there's like such equal give and take between them. Yeah, but God, this is this was like one of my favorite reads um, last year. I just, oh, it's so I loved good. it. Brendan is, I love. Listen, Grumpy Sun. The only way Grumpy Sunshine can get better is when it's Grumpy Sunshine and fake dating. Yes, that is like the epitome of my favorite things put together. But this is so and. Tessa has a great way of the perfect ratio of, like, smut to romance Mm -hmm. to plot. Yes. Um, Especially in this book and, like, My Killer Vacation. I feel like those two books have, like, perfect ratios of everything. It was everything I needed. It was just so good. So the follow-up to It Happened One Summer is Hook, Line, and Sinker. And Hook, Line, and Sinker follows... Piper's sister Hannah and Brendan's friend Fox who meet in It Happened One Summer. So we start to see their interactions in Brendan and Piper's books and you get the feeling that like something is starting there but they're both like denying it, denying it, denying it. We're just friends. But we really start to see like the inside of both of their heads in Hook, Line, and Sinker. And Fox is really dealing with the fact that no one in town takes him seriously. He's known as like the player around town. They just assume that he's sleeping with women all the time. And he really has a lot of issues with his own self-perception. And it's like, I'm not good enough for Hannah. I'll never be good enough for Hannah. No one will take me seriously. I'm not good enough to take over as captain from Brendan because Brendan's been asking him to take over um, the captainship of the boat. And he's like, I'm not good enough for that either. No one takes me seriously. So Fox is really dealing with a lot of his own um, self-identity issues. And Hannah is also dealing with a lack of self-confidence. She really wants to like stick up for herself and advocate for herself at her job. And she's having a really difficult time like speaking her mind and advocating for herself and her position and trying to move into a position that she likes better. So both of them are dealing with a lot of issues like in their own minds and their own brains and they help each other in their own ways. But I feel like Fox's issues really get in his own way a lot when it comes to Hannah. For sure. And I feel like that's a little bit why this book did not hit as hard for me as it happened one summer did. Um, Just because they could have cleared up their problems so much easier. Like they both clearly were attracted to each other. Both had feelings for each other and... It, it just had so much to do with Fox's insecurity. Um, and I, it was nice to see a man insecure about a lot of things that women are usually insecure about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It, and I, I could have used more smut in this book, too, I feel like. I, I got to be honest. I wasn't a huge fan of a lot of the smut scenes in the book. Because a lot of the time it was like Fox using sex as a weapon in order to shield himself from emotional intimacy. Because he really got into this space of like sex is what I'm good at. So that's what I can give Hannah. And that way she won't expect me to be good at a relationship. So like that really bothered me of like how Fox viewed himself really getting in the way of their ability to communicate 
and be emotionally intimate with one another. But there were also so many super cute scenes of like mm-hmm. Fox hiding the record player so that she didn't know that he had bought a record player specifically because of her and him refusing to like go out with anyone right after he met her. Like he hadn't seen or slept with a woman since he had met Hannah the first time and his possessiveness with her at the party and like with her boss like god I loved those moments yeah I feel like I liked the smut after they went to the sound garden um because that's like in the car yes and everything because that's when it all just really got like I really didn't consider anything before that smut yeah um but the lube scene had me like having secondhand embarrassment oh my and laughing God. at the same yes. time. And also like who has lube that smell like massage oil that smells like ginger? Not me. Not me. I don't want to smell like ginger. <laughs> but uh and I'm like thank goodness like Hannah was able to see what he was doing uh-huh. and shutting it down every time. Um, I did really enjoy the bingo scene, too, because this bitch over here loves bingo. I love bingo. And it can get intense at bingo. Oh, yeah. I used to... Quick bingo story. My great-grandmother lived in Asheville, North Carolina with my great-aunt and great-uncle. And when we would go visit them, we used to go to this old bingo hall that was just filled with, like, 70- and 80-year-old women who all took bingo very seriously. And it was it was cash bingo. Like, this was serious business. And everyone in there was, like, smoking 15 cigarettes at a time. <laughs> Goddamn, it was, like, impossible to breathe in there. And here's me and my 10-year-old self, like, getting ready. My, my grandmother... My great grandmother would always buy me like one single strip of like the bingo boards and they move so fast. Like it was like mm-hmm. two, seventy two, three, sixteen. And I, I would be like, holy fuck. And these women would have like five not <laughs> three by three cards lined up in front of them, just like dobbing away. And I, I was so impressed every single time. I will say search around your local area and see if you can find a sex toy bingo that is the most fun you will ever have (laughs) i have been to two and they are an absolute blast um they're hosted by drag queens um funnest time ever you will not regret it oh my goodness I will say the epilogue of hook line and sinker was everything i could have asked for it was so sweet uh, Piper and Brendan were in it. It was, God, everything I needed. It was the best. I'm not going to lie. I wish I got a little, uh, a couple more cameos with Piper and Brendan. Yeah, they were, like, largely absent for a lot of it. They were. And, like, they were kind of, their cameos were more so separate than as a couple. Like, I wish I would have gotten a cameo with them being, like, a cute couple. I agree. I wanted more of it that. Was like, it was like Brendan talking with Fox or Piper talking with Hannah. Never like Piper and Brendan together. But we're just being greedy. That's true. We are. All right. Next up, we have Captivated, which, oh, my God, this book. Also, this is also by Eve Dangerfield. Just want to throw that in there. Yeah, this is It was co-write. co-written. Mm-hmm. So this stars our female main character, who is a vet. And she just broke up with her cheating boyfriend. She's living in New York City, but she's originally from Australia. So she is, like, in a state, like, 
mental state where she's just like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, do I go back home to Australia? And while she's struggling with her life and her life choices, she just kind of starts fantasizing about her massive broody landlord. And her massive broody landlord just happens to stop by one day talking to her. And they have an exchange about something. And I forget some, something about either her giving him updated contact information or something like that. And she accidentally. Was it the pigeons in her shower? The pigeons in her shower. She, <laughs> she accidentally hands him a napkin where she has drawn a very explicit drawing of the two of them together. Like, extremely explicit. I would have died. I would have perished if this happened to me in real life. I'd be like, I gotta move. I'm going back to Australia. I can't live here no more. The amount of secondhand embarrassment I got from this moment. I was, like, cringing so hard. He is, like, in shock. Because he is so into her. And he just assumes that she thinks that he's scary and, like, unlovable. And he's looking at this drawing like, what the fuck is happening in this tiny little blonde's mind? And so he's like, okay, maybe I can work with this. And they kind of just kick off from there. And it gets crazy. Like, their relationship is wild. Like, the amount of care... And consent in this book is amazing. Uh Like, I mean, this touches points of consensual, non-consensual, stalking, and kidnapping. And she is pretty much the instigator of all of these things. And he's like, listen, little tiny girl, I need to make sure you're actually okay with this. And he goes above and beyond to bring this girl's fantasies to life. And he kind of edges her in a way, too. Like... He's lightly stalking her, making sure she's cool with this, and he's a bit of a shut-in. Um, he has just kind of a bad past of his with his ex, and everyone knew she was cheating on him, and no one told him, and he's just kind of shut, shut himself in. He does lock her in a closet with the luggage, and she was into it. He also like is like chasing her up a stairwell at one point, and is like stalking her in a coffee shop, like... My, there's a lot. There's a lot of scenes in this. There's and big and small. Like he's huge. He's like six foot five, really bulky guy, and she's like barely. I don't even think she's five feet tall. Yeah, she's tiny. So it's like big and tiny. They, um, during one of the scenes, she bonds pretty quickly with his friends from back home, and I really loved that. How like she not only gave him like that introduction back to like reality and getting back into the real world, but also like started to reform his bonds and connections with his friends from childhood. Like there was a lot of great healing that happened in this book too. There was this one scene. I can't remember if she calls him a cunt or someone else a cunt. And he is like completely caught off guard (laughs) and like his eyes are wide and he's in shock. And she's like, I'm Australian. (laughs) It's a term of endearment. Australians just throw that word around like it's nothing. Yeah, and it was so funny, too, because I just remember, like, someone crazy was, like, yelling at her in the streets of New York, and she's like, fuck you, you cunt! (laughs) And the guy is, like, shuts up, and she's just, like, so proud of herself for, like, sticking up for herself. I don't know what it is. Like, Australians and the UK, the sense of humor, it just, it tickles me. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. 
finally, our last Tessa Bailey book, unfortunately, is her latest release, My Killer Vacation, which is just God. It was so goddamn good. I loved this book so much. So Taylor is a second grade private school teacher. She's been saving her money to rent this beautiful beachfront home on Cape Cod with her brother. And she is so caring for other people. She's very self-sacrificing. And their first day there, she's so excited about the clawfoot tub. First thing she notices are some what she thinks might be peepholes. So that immediately like gets her off guard and is like, what the fuck is happening here? And so her and her brother are investigating that. And then as she like wraps up that investigation and is like, that's fucking weird, but okay, there's no one back there. Uh, they find a goddamn dead body in the laundry room. So that just really kind of kicks off her vacation in the wrong direction. <laughs> Yeah, and I will say all of the girlies out there who are big on ID Channel, like I am, this is the book for you because Taylor is who we all want to be. Uh-huh. We all, like, I don't necessarily want to see a dead body, but to, like, self-insert myself <laughs> into, like, a true crime and figuring out everything that happens, that's the dream. I would absolutely but, do that. Yeah, like, but Miles, Miles is our bounty hunter But he used to be a detective, um, and he is family friends with the deceased, and he comes out to kind of help figure out what's going on because the local police force is not being helpful. They're just trying to make this a cut-and-dry case, make the guy who was killed seem like he's a pervert, um, and the family wants to get down to business, and... Uh, Taylor fucking stole the log of everyone who signs who visited it, and she took it, and she's like, oh, hey, Mr. Bounty Hunter, uh, you want this log? Well, you're gonna have to keep me up to date with the investigation. And he is, like, attracted to her immediately. He's so into her. Like, it was like, he's annoyed by her at first, and then, like, immediately, like, oh, goddamn, she's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Get the fuck away from me. You have no right to to be this beautiful sunshine teacher of children. Get away from me. I am, like, Miles is, he, he has a history of, you know, like, what went bad on a previous case. It's been eating him up. He's divorced. He just is low on his luck, doesn't think he deserves much, uh, especially someone who is so sunshiny like Taylor. The tension in this book is perfect. There are so many like almost moments where they're just about to fuck and then they get interrupted and it's like, Oh my God, when are they going to fuck? Listen, how did Tessa Bailey make wedgies hot? (laughs) I don't know how she did it, but I was into that scene. And that's the other thing. Taylor is very sweet uh, but she wants to be manhandled. Uh-huh. She wants a guy who is going to give her the business, not be super Boy Scouty. She wants someone who's rough. And when she says that to Miles, he's gone. He's gone for. He's done. He can't stay away. He was like that. That just sold it for him. They yeah. have a scene where they were fucking in a Catholic church in the middle of a rainstorm. And oh my god, that did things to me. And then as they're wrapping up, some nuns walk in. <laughs> oh 
was so good. Guys, I loved this book so much. I did too. And like we said, like the tension is unreal. Um, did you think in the beginning that her brother's boyfriend died and it wasn't a fucking panda? Yes. <laughs> and then they were like, it's a panda. And okay, you know Tessa did that on purpose. It was like a bait yeah. and switch. But I was like, what the? And she's like, yeah, it's a panda at his job. He took it really. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but like, so the first time that they're really, really going to hook up and he's like, being rough with her, giving her this, like, wedgie, you know, like, pulling her underwear up, getting real rough with her, got her naked, she's on the bed, a buoy comes flying into the window, Miles loses shit, now his job is to solve this murder and protect Taylor at all costs. Like, he's not getting paid for shit either, but he's like, I got, I gotta protect this girl, and... God, just, like, their conversations that they have, and, like, he's like, you better not go nowhere, and her and her brother are like, fuck this, we're going snorkeling, <laughs> and they go snorkeling, and the other guy wants to be her partner, and he mouths, fuck you, <laughs> and she can see it in his sunglasses. I know, the guy is like, okay, catch you on the flip-flop, and, he, and she goes, you really want to hook up with flip-flop guy? <laughs> God, and he's also, like, huge. Like, I don't know, like, there's, I, I think it's the scene when they're in the water, and she's, like, admiring his body, and he's, like, yeah, she likes the thick, and I was, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, like, he's, do, he's not, like, he's big, he's not, like, overweight, but he's not, like, jack. He's, like, burly. Like, yeah, and I could just, like, picture it so clearly, um, but gosh, it was, it was... It was good, and I think that the way that she did the murder mystery itself was really good, too. Um, I enjoyed it. I I was down for it the whole way. There was never a point in time when I was bored with anything. Like, it had me engrossed the entire time. I was so down for the romance, so down for the murder mystery, their relationship development, him coming to terms with, like, his trauma from his previous job him bonding again with his family like god so much happened i was down for all of it i just remembered him using the vibrator on her in the parking lot yes when she walks out of this the sex toy shop and he's like hell no that vibrator is not stealing that orgasm from me god i love rom-coms so much like my cheeks are red right now like i i I personally don't mind. Some people don't like the secondhand embarrassment of it, uh, but I eat that shit up. Like I, I'll be sitting in my bed squealing and giggling and shit. Like I love these kinds of books so much. It's so good. It is so good. So, the next uh, book. Sam wasn't able to get to this one, but it is on Kindle Unlimited, and she has other series that are not. Um, that's Jaina Aston, uh, and she has the Cafe series, and I'm going to specifically talk about Wrong, um, because I love a crazy female main character, um, and I think it's because, like, I'm a little crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you have like, that <laughs> ownership of like, yourself. Like, Sam can attest to, like, when I liked somebody, I was all in. Oh, yeah. And I... 
I didn't stop talking about that. Like, I, when I liked somebody, I was all the way in. I was not deviating from the plan, laser focus. So I really enjoy those type of books. And that's exactly what this is. She has had a crush on her brother's best friend, who is also a professor at her college. And she does some crazy shit, like makes copies of his house key. And of course she makes more than one. And she brings him a pet goldfish. But that's not actually the guy she falls for. She falls for the guys that she was obsessed with brother because he is also insane um and he makes it a point to make her fall in love with him and they are just like both so crazy and they do like crazy shit to get each other's attention and there is a plot twist um later on but it they're stalking it's just it's and she has such a way of making things funny while also giving it a plot so and they're shorter books too so I would definitely give her a read um especially because not all of these are on like Tessa Bailey is not on Kindle Unlimited um so if you're looking for a rom-com that is uh this is a good start all right and next up we have I believe the only paranormal romance in, in for this episode which is the Heart Hassle series by Raven Kennedy so this is a reverse harem paranormal romance, and our female main character is a Cupid um, who winds up through a series of interesting events with a corporeal body, and she winds up in the land of the Fae, and they all have these floating islands, basically, that make up the whole like universe, and she winds up on this floating island that has three griffins that have been exiled there and the amount of comedy in these books is just absolutely insane like her inner monologue alone is the funniest shit ever like her thoughts to herself and the shit she says out loud and she is like so horny she is ex- so excited to have a body and the things she's going to do with this body. And she has no problem saying them out loud to these guys. And, of course, at first, they don't trust her. They're like, where did this bitch come from? Like, this is sketchy. No one has been able to come into this island. What is going on? So they don't trust her at first. And then she slowly ticks away. At- and she's just, like, so wholesome, too. Um, in the things that she she's just, like... She's just a joy. I just loved her so much and her interactions with the guy. And it becomes very much, they are so devoted to her too. Once they finally mm-hmm. figure out that she is the one. Um, and the world building is excellent. It's pretty low on spice. Um, but it is so funny. It is so funny. I found myself legitimately laughing out loud like a crazy person at several different points while reading this series. You know what sticks out? It's been a while. It's been almost a year since I've read these. Um, you know what sticks out to me the most is the epilogue. Oh, yeah. When she's, like, having, like, half fucking, like, bull fairy babies, like, <laughs> twins, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, like, she's got her assistant who pops in because throughout all of this, she somehow finds out how to be, like, the head of all of Cupid's, and she's just, like, running shit, like, she's just, like, she's so funny, like, oh, god, it, 
it these books are so enjoyable and raven kennedy i have not read anything raven kennedy that i did not completely adore yes true facts raven kennedy is the best yeah so she has a spinoff of this one um she's two really uh there is a contemporary one um that follows Cupid who gets a human body and has to fall in love with this guy very grumpy sunshine and then she has a spinoff of this one uh which is her assistant um finding love with kind of like a ghost um so there's two kind of spinoffs to this series um but yeah everything Raven Kennedy is either super funny super hot or very interesting all right next up we have by a thread by Lucy score Oh my god, I loved this book so fucking much. So this book follows Dominic and Allie. Dominic is a rich asshole who's dealing with a lot of shit at work and with his family. And he is having a really bad day and he ends up getting Allie fired from her job at a pizza place. And Allie is just struggling so much in life right now and she's done with assholes. But Dominic's mom is with him during this time and she... Um, ends up hiring her to work with them at their fashion magazine that they own. And Allie ends up becoming Dominic's personal assistant. And they fucking hate each other. <laughs> so- they hate each other. <laughs> There's this scene where they're in this meeting together and she sticks her tongue out at him and he rubs his eye with his middle finger. And I could just like... <laughs> picture it so and like they call each other like the meanest names like she's maleficent and what does uh she call him uh charming because he's not prince charming um so so mean i love it when they're mean to each other and they're they still kind of like joke with each other throughout the book too but like I'm not going to say Allie didn't deserve to get fired, but I mean, like, I think most people who wrote F.U. in pepperonis on someone's pizza might not have a job. (laughs) Also, huge thing, he is 44 and she is 39, which was very refreshing. Oh, I loved their ages so much, which Lucy Score does often. And I love that she writes rom-coms and romances with older characters. Like, goodness, I love it so much. And... Neither of them either. I, I see it so much where people are like in their early thirties, and acting like there's like no chance for a future for them. Like, I'm sorry, your early thirties, you're still very young. Uh-huh. There is so much life to live. There is so much you can do with your life. Like, uh, it just seems like they're so downtrodden. And I don't feel like either of them were really that way. Um. I mean, I feel like Dominic was so in his head and very work-focused. He just really never gave his personal life a try. You know what I mean? It was more like, this is what I've been taught. I date hot models, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And meanwhile, Allie just has so much going on in her life. She Dating just was on the radar. The amount that Allie has going on and that she's, like, I'm glad that Dominic has to grovel at the end because he fucks up pretty majorly. But, like... Also, at the beginning, I wanted him to grovel a little bit more for being such an asshole to her. Like, she has so much going on, Dominic. Yeah. But, to be fair, she wouldn't even give, like, any hints to him. Uh, Like, what was going on. And I think if he had a little bit more 
information, which I feel like if he dug enough, he would have been able to figure it out. Um, but, like, the fact that he was, like, jerking off <laughs> in his office, like, think that scene when he's jerking off and saying her name and she walks in. Ah! It's so good. I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, he does, his father was a piece of shit. The worst. Who sexually harassed women in the office. So he's so much like, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like him. And he likes Allie so much. He doesn't know how to handle it. He's like, I've never liked someone this much. And I don't want to treat you this way. Like, you need to quit this job so we can fuck. It's literally his only thing is, like, you need to quit. And she's like, I'm not quitting this job, Dominic. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he goes out of his way to, like, show up on a date she's on. Like, the way he cared about if she ate or not, getting her a new computer, new phone. Dominic is very much someone who shows his love through action mm-hmm. um, and has a very hard time with words. But the end... The end Ugh. of this book, the epilogue, the everything, like, this This book was so good. Like, I can't find, like, any flaw. Like, to me, it was right on the money. It was everything I needed. Um, Lucy's score, I've only read two of her books so far, but I want to read more of her back catalog because I just love the way that she writes and the characters that she develops, so I'm... So excited to read more of her books. All right. Next, we have The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, which I feel like most people have read by now, but we can do a quick rundown of it. Um, Yeah. Stop saying this book is spicy because it's not. If I see one more recommendation of this being spicy, I'm going to come after you. This book is cute and awkward and amazing, but it is not spicy. There's like one sex scene. And that's all you get. Um, and it's been ruined for me because did you see that TikTok with, with the Shrek? No. Please don't oh ruin God. this for I'm me. I'm going to send it to you. Please don't ruin this it's for like, me. It's like they took the scenes and it's like the same conversation like Donkey and Shrek are having. It's. Why would you do that to me? I won't send it to you. I probably won't be able to find it anyway. Okay, so this <laughs> book was originally a Star Wars fan fiction. So when you picture Adam Carlson, you just need to picture him as Adam Driver because they're the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, the idea is that it's a fake dating trope. They're two idiot nerds who fall in love with each other. They both have like major crushes on each other before they even start fake dating. But Adam is so in love with her. And my God, it's there's so many cute moments, so many moments when they're like forced into kissing. She has to sit on his lap at one point. They have like dates with each other where they get to know one another. And it's all just so cute. God, I love fake dating so much. I like squealed during that scene where she had to sit on his lap during that whole presentation in the auditorium. It was so good. The only downfall of this book, other than the fact that it needed more smut, is that, god damn, I wanted this to be dual POV so bad. We want everything to be dual POV. That's accurate. But I do feel like when you 
don't have dual POV, it also just, like, kind of opens up your imagination. You can kind of make it up yourself. And I feel like for fake dating, it works really well because you don't really know how the other person is feeling. Even though I feel like in this one, it was, like, everyone but her could see how Adam felt. Yes, that's true. All right. Next up, we have Faking with Benefits by Lily Gold. This is a reverse harem contemporary romance with a female main character and three men. Uh, Sarah has noted that Lily Gold's books all follow the same formula for the most part. And I believe Sarah has described Lily Gold's books as no thoughts, just vibes. (laughs) Listen, I love them. I love them. Um, I have read this one, the bodyguard one, and the Swedish mountain men. I need to read the nanny for the neighbors. But uh, I am also the same type of person who comfort reads and comfort watches things. So I I very much enjoy formula. I mean, it's three guys. You have one who has his head in his ass, and he takes a while to join the fun. You have the funny, goofy one that has some emotional damage. And then you have the smart one in the middle who only fights it for, like, 2.5 seconds and somehow doesn't feel loved. That's kind of how (laughs) all of these have turned out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I had a lot of thoughts about these people. So... Sarah and I believe we have found the first reverse harem book where we would have been fine if she just picked one. <laughs> like, okay, we didn't go over the plot of what happened. Okay, I step back and go over the plot. So, uh, sh- our female main character is she designs lingerie. She has her own company and she lives across the hall from these three guys, and they have their own podcast where they give relationship and sex advice. She has been on, like, 120 dates in the last year and has never gotten a second date. Their podcast needs better ratings. So, they're like, all right, let's come up with a segment where we can help you learn how to date and we'll be your fake boyfriends. In no way, shape, or form can this go wrong. You have Josh, who has been this huge crush on her forever, and he shouldn't have gotten involved, and then... What are the other guys' names, Sam? What? You have the older guy. Why do you expect teacher. me? Oh, his name was Luke, but I don't remember the other guy. <laughs> Zach. His name was Zach. Zach was like the goofy, very promiscuous guy. And then Luke is the older guy who was her teacher and like doesn't want to touch her with a five foot pole because he thinks it's inappropriate. Of course, they all start to get feelings. Um, The smut in this is very enjoyable. It is. Um, I would really like it if she added some MM content in one of her books. Yeah, none of her books ever have MM, which is bullshit. So maybe one day we'll get that from her, but I'll tell you what, like, all of these people had emotional damage. God, it it was so much. And also, like... There were so many times when I was like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, especially with Luke and his ex-wife and then his ex-wife marrying Josh's brother and them all knowing that his ex-wife was a grade A cunt and then not warning Josh's brother about this. Biggest plot hole. Like, no one is like, hey, man, maybe you shouldn't marry this bitch. Like, she's not a nice lady. Do not do this. And they're all like, Josh's brother is fine. He doesn't put up with any bullshit. And I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't put him in that position in the first place. Yeah. 
No, but this is, like, I... Sam and I, if you guys listened to the last episode with the Faded Mates, we do not like it when someone breaks somebody's heart to, like, the point where the grovel doesn't even compute. Uh-huh. And, and I feel like the breakup, like, the third act breakup was so harsh. It was. That it was, I didn't want to forgive them. I especially didn't want to forgive Zach. He was the fucking worst of them all. Oh, my God. Like, how do you go to someone for a comfort fuck to try and straighten your head out and then break up with her when your dick is still wet? Right after she tells you that she loves you for the first time. Uh, And then Luke knows something is wrong. Just got into a fight with his ex-wife. She tells him... (laughs) <laughs> that she's falling in love with all of them and he breaks up with her too he was literally like yeah i know but we can't do this yeah and it like and even like there was n- hardly any groveling right they just got on the podcast and aired it for hours like i'm sorry that's not sufficient enough it wasn't then- especially after she got like fucking slut shamed across the whole internet yeah, and, and she had already, like, that was already one of her biggest things that she was dealing with in her past trauma. Um, and, God, and then it, like, jumped to them getting married, and then Luke was being a fucking twat <laughs> at his own fucking wedding. And I was just like, she should have just married Josh, and they could come and fuck every now and then. Yeah, Because... These boys just were, like, Josh was the only one mentally capable of having a relationship. Josh was the only one who deserved her. Those other two can go kick rocks. Yeah. I Like, when he was whining at his wedding, Sam, I would have been, like, annulment. <laughs> annulment. We're done. I can, we're done here. I can, I can. And the thing is, too, is Luke is 100% my usual type. Uh-huh. He is older he has got the gray flecks of hair he is a dom in the bedroom but holy fuck i wanted to punch him in the throat like half of the time (laughs) it was bad like i'm not like this book is amazing like that goes to show like how uh these characters affected us like she she wrote a great story that we feel this way but like they did not deserve her but anyway, we love Lily Gold's books, <laughs> and I've yeah. read all of them. <laughs> yeah, I just have to read the nanny one, and that's what I'm saying. I just have a lot of feelings about these characters and Team Josh. I would be, if I was listening to that podcast, I would have a Team Josh shirt. All right, and last but certainly not least, we have Kalki by K.M. Newhold. This is an M.M. romance. Um you have your bear contractor and your shut-in who doesn't want to do a relationship after just breaking up with a long-term boyfriend. They have a super hot one-night stand where they meet in a gay bar and they go home together. They don't even exchange names. And then Ren decides he wants to redo his bathroom and he hires a contractor. And wouldn't you know it, his contractor is the guy he just hooked up with. And there's so much sexual tension when... When the contractor first comes to look at his bathroom, he forgets that his dildo is in the shower. Like, and it's not just, like, on the counter. It is suction cupped to the glass. 
Oh, it's so good. There's so much tension. They have, like, the amount of buildup to them finally, like, fucking again is so good. I love their relationship. There is not, I wanted to note, there is not a third act breakup in this, um, which I usually prefer because I like the angst of it. But I didn't mind it in this one because I just, it felt like a very natural progression of a relationship. And I really enjoyed, like, the ride of going through it plus this book was just hilarious so I enjoyed it every step of the way yeah I there's a lot of sarcastic humor in this book uh and I enjoyed that a lot and the smut in this book is I, I was here for it um and I I had to google what frauding was I think that's how you say it yeah Sarah taught me about this before I read it yeah, but basically, in case you didn't know and you don't want to look it up, Sarah will tell you. <laughs> it's basically like when one guy would uh, use one hand on both dicks and masturbate them together. Our uh, bear character was very much into this. Um, but you know what I thought, like, the hottest scene was? Uh, was when Ren... So... He's basically like, hey, I am at this bar every day on Thursday. You want to hook up, you come to this bar. And Ren finally gets the courage to go. And he comes, like, prepped and ready to go with, like, lube already inside. And he takes him into his back of his car. Whew. That was a hot scene. It was. I also, there was also this scene, which I thought was very interesting because obviously I do not have a penis. Well, I don't know if that's obvious to you. Are you going to talk about the foreskin? Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad we're on the same page. So the bear in this relationship is not circumcised, but Ren is circumcised. So at a certain point, the one takes his foreskin and like puts it around the tip of the other one's penis. And I was like, is, and then they're like jacking off. And I'm like, is that, is that enjoyable? I don't know. I I don't have the equipment to test this out, but it was interesting. I, I liked how it wasn't always, because sometimes with MM, it's constantly just like, we're fucking, we're fucking, we're fucking, which is not... Anal, anal, uh, anal, anal. And it, it that's not really, like, do you not realize, like, how much prep <laughs> you have to do for anal sex, like, all the time? Like, so it was very refreshing um, seeing, you know, how they, like, God, there was that one time where he just, like, ate his ass... And then left. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ren, Ren is a quick comer. Yes. It doesn't take much with him. <laughs> it does not. But um, I liked, too, that they had this online relationship that they didn't even know that they had together. So they were able to really get to know each other, which a lot of people feel way more comfortable with some, you know, not seeing the person's face or having to be in front of them or even like the potential of ever meeting so you can really be yourself i mean we were all on tumblr we all had aim like Hell you get yeah. to really be yourself um and then they just had this insane physical chemistry when they were actually together um i could definitely see myself reading more of these books i think there's a lot i think there's like eight or nine 
in the bear construction series. Yeah, I would definitely see us reading more of this. Definitely enjoyable and funny. Um, I would just like to note that Ren is one of my dog's names, and this is like the third time that we've read a book where one of the main characters had the same name as my dog. Yeah, try like naming your kid generic white boy names. Do you know how many times like my kids' names have been in books? It's terrible. That has been especially, an issue for you. Especially like Irish Mafia. Like everyone's fucking name is Liam. Oh my goodness. Alright, some upcoming books that we are excited about slash reading possibly when this comes out because we are recording this a few weeks in advance, so don't hold us to this. I am very excited to read Of Dreams and Demons by Willow Hadley, which is the next book after Of Moons and Monsters, which we have been looking forward to forever. Um, Also, the third Viking Omegaverse book by Lix Robinson is coming out July 9th, which I'm very excited about. And Lucy Score has a new book coming out at the end of June called Maggie Moves On, which I'm very excited to read and Give Me More by Sarah Kate. Like, give me all of the new releases at the end of June, beginning of July. This is a great time. I am also extremely excited uh, for Of Dreams and Demons. I just did my Of Moons and Monsters reread. Uh, It just gives you, like, warm, cozy, butterfly, reverse harem feels. I can't wait to see where she goes with that. I have have ideas now that I've reread. I'll share them with you later, Sam. Okay. Um, I am also excited for Give Me More by Sarah Kate. Like, props to Sarah Kate. The way she is, like, publishing these books Mm. so fucking fast and, like, the response to all of them. Um, And honestly, for me, like, they've just been in a progression of getting better and better. Um, And this one's MMF. Like, whew. Speaking of MMF, I am reading the hottest Theo Draco Hermione fanfic right now called Past is Prologue by Severus, please. Um, if you are looking for pure smut, go check it out. It is hot, 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 and I can never get enough of Theo not in any form. God, I love Theo. We're going to have to do another Germione episode, I feel like. I feel like when we do our next fanfiction episode, we should expand it past Germione and do more pairings. Well, yeah, I mean, I just read The Debt of Time. That was, that was the size of the Bible. <laughs> I'm I'm more open now. I'm more open. Okay, so definitely another fan fiction episode in the future. Prepare yourself. So that means that I'm scared to read Harry Draco, though. Uh, Drary is the number one pairing on AO3 for Harry Potter fan fiction. And then isn't it like uh, Remus... And serious, like the second one. Uh, official ship name is Wolfstar, and yes. <laughs> so I'm scared just because, like, I can picture Hermione with different people, but like picturing Draco with different people that's not Hermione, I've got to like, I've got to set my mind to it. But you're right. Like, we're gonna the next one we do is more pairings because I absolutely love the Dead of Time. So I'm okay. <laughs> All right, so prepare yourselves for that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Sput and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We would love you forever if you did. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We also now have a Facebook page for the Smut and Spice Podcast. So if you're on Facebook, we would love it if you could give us a like there as well. 
The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening.